This is the podcast, Surgery IC Rounds. My name is Dr. Jeffrey Guy. I'm an associate professor of surgery and director of the Burn Center at Vanderbilt Regional Burn Center at the Vanderbilt University School of Medicine in Nashville, Tennessee. The topic that I want to talk today, uh, talk to you about today is the topic of uh, tight glucose control in critically ill patients. There was a meta-analysis that appeared recently in the Journal of the American Medical Association. It appeared on August 26, 2008, and it was an interesting meta-analysis, in my opinion, that looked at... Um, um, what has turned into a, a reasonably controversial topic as to um, where do we draw the line for adequate uh, control of uh, blood glucose in the critically ill patients. The article is entitled Benefits and Risks of Tight Glucose Control in Critically Ill Patients, a meta-analysis, and it's by uh, Weiner and colleagues, and as I said, it's appeared in the August 26th edition of the journal. We're certainly uh, all aware, or certainly should be aware, that in 2001, Vandenberg and colleagues published a randomized control trial of critically ill surgical patients showing that uh, tight glucose control in hospitalized uh, critically ill patients reduced hospital mortality by a third. But since that uh, period of time, there's been a tremendous amount amount of um, uh, research in that area. Um, most of the studies, not nearly as good as the Vandenberg uh, trial, are looking at the benefit of a tight glycemic control in the critically ill patients. In the Vandenberg study, the greatest decrease in death occurred in the subgroup of patients with sepsis and multi-system or organ fire. Some speculated the benefits of tight glucose control might extend to medical intensive care unit patients as well. Well, certainly saying that you're able to reduce mortality by that uh, uh, magnitude certainly creates a lot of excitement and uh, subsequent uh, investigation. The article goes on to say that because few interventions in critically ill adults reduce mortality to the extent reported by Vandenberg, the results of that trial enthusiastically received and rapidly incorporated in the guidelines. In the 2004 Surviving Sepsis Guidelines, they recommended control for all patients with sepsis, and in the 2004 guidelines, they explicitly stated, and quoting here, there is no reason to think that these data are not generalizable to all severely septic patients. What is interesting is that looking at um, um, the guidelines that are forthcoming from uh, groups like the Society for Critical Care and Medicine, the more recent Surviving Sepsis Guidelines, and Aspen, there hasn't been the uh, enthusiastic embracing of this very tight uh, control of uh, blood glucose between 80 and 110. And certainly when you go through our catalog of other podcasts we've done, we've looked at some of the problems uh, with that tight glycemic control, particularly in the issues of uh, hypoglycemia as well as how we actually record uh, and measure blood glucose uh, at the bedside. There is a podcast um, in, our, in the collection here that looks at the measurement of uh, glucose using point-of-care testing uh, devices that we use in the intensive care unit. Now, the more recent uh, uh, 2000 update of the Surviving Sepsis Guidelines, which we um, have a, a podcast on, still endorses uh, glycemic control, but doesn't actually uh, state in there that you need to be 80 to 110. And that's been uh, endorsed by 16 professional societies. Furthermore, the idea of uh, tight glycemic control has been uh, picked up by the Institute of Healthcare Improvement, Volunteer Hospital Association, the Michigan Health and Safety Coalition, uh, the American Association for Clinical Endocrinology, as well as the American Diabetes Association. All these groups now recommend tight glucose control in all critically ill patients. The authors go on to report that subsequent large randomized control trials of tight glucose control in medical and mixed medical surgical 
medical intensive care units, however, failed to replicate this mortality benefit. They go on to say that, moreover, a recent cohort study of more than 10,000 critically ill adults showed a trend towards increased mortality with increasing use of tight glucose control after adjustment for disease severity. And the article they're referring to is the paper by uh, Trigari and colleagues that uh, appeared in uh, Critical Care Medicine 2008, Volume 12. Additionally, many studies have reported high rates of hypoglycemia with tight glucose control, some of these studies as high as 30 to 40% as compared to the 5% rate in the initial trial by Vandenberg and colleagues. Hypoglycemia is not benign in critical patients. It has been linked to serious neurological events ranging from seizures to coma. One of the things you need to be watching for when you actually look at these studies is the rate of hypoglycemia. Are they reporting the rate of hypoglycemia based on the number of blood samples uh, obtained or the number of patients that have been exposed to the treatment? For instance, if you have 10 patients uh, in an intensive care unit and you are getting blood sugars, uh, say you're uh, roughly about every two hours, uh, and let's just make the math easy, let's say that you're getting roughly 10 blood sugars in that 10 bed ICU over a period of a day. Well, that means that you would have what? You would have um, roughly 100 uh, blood samples. Now, if each of those patients had one episode of hypoglycemia, um, the, of those 100 samples, then you would have 10 blood samples out of 100. You would say, well, I have a roughly a 10% hypoglycemic rate. That is if you're treating samples of blood. But if you're looking at the complication as the, the rate at which the patient is exposed to the complication, not the blood sample, then those 10 episodes of hypoglycemia, when you would, uh, look at the who's having the complication, namely the patient, then your complication rate is 100%. The other issue is how we define hypoglycemia. And I like to ask that question to the residents very directly, is where do you feel your patient, uh, where do you feel comfortable with your blood sugar uh, being low, and, and what do you consider a low blood sugar? And then and ask yourself that question now. And then what do you think these uh, studies are calling hypoglycemia? Is it a blood sugar of less than 80? Is it a blood sugar less than 65? Or is it a blood sugar less than 45? And typically, the answer is C, blood sugar less than 45. And there's a lot of things that happen in intensive care units that can cause what's called a hypoglycemic unawareness. Um, keep in mind that episodes of hypoglycemia uh, present themselves as basically a catecholamine-type surge. The patients get very anxious, they get diaphoretic, they may get tachycardic, they may even get hypertensive. But what are a lot of our patients on these days are beta blockers, which will mask a lot of the symptoms of hypoglycemia. In fact, if you look at uh, the um, label, the, the label, and it comes with a typical oral beta blockers, you'll see in there is what you'll see in that packaging is the uh, potential risk of uh, hypoglycemic unawareness syndrome. Uh, so clearly, that is a, a potential problem. The other is is that intensive care units where patients may be heavily sedated uh, due to mechanical ventilation or the natures of their injuries or recent uh, uh, surgery, they may be unaware to report back to you uh, subjectively that they're feeling ill, perhaps with symptoms of hypoglycemia. Now, getting back to this particular study, they say that they report the findings of the meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials examining the risks and benefits of tight glycemic control as compared to the usual care in critically ill adults. They laid out some important definitions. 
which, um, namely of the hospital mortality, they considered um, a reduction in hospital mortality to be important potential benefit of tight glucose control, particularly that's what the Vandenberg uh, study pointed out. Also, hospital mortality was defined as death occurring during the hospital stay or within 30 days following admission. Secondary outcome measures they looked at were septicemia, um, uh, new need for dialysis, as well as hypoglycemia, and they compared the association of tight glucose control versus usual care with two additional potential benefits of tight glucose control, rates of septicemia, and uh, new need for dialysis. Now, we mentioned a little bit about uh, how one defines hypoglycemia, uh, and they go on to say that um, the major potential harm of tight glucose control is hypoglycemia, and they define hypoglycemia to include patients with one or more blood glucose measurement of 40 milligrams per deciliter or lower and recorded whether any associated symptoms were reported. So again, it's a pretty low number of 40, and they're also looking at whether the particular papers recorded whether the patient had symptomatic hypoglycemia. Now, they go on to state that of note, our definition is well below the glucose level that the American Diabetes Association considers represent hypoglycemia, and that's a glucose less than 70. However, when you go and look at the studies, they have a different definition of what they're calling hypoglycemia. Again, if you lower your standards, you seem to have more friends by lowering the definition of hypoglycemia into the 40s, 40 or 45, therefore you have a more um, lower complication rate. By saying, well, this is how we define hypoglycemia, this is the number of patients who had it, and again, the American Diabetes Association is saying about 70 is what you consider hypoglycemia. And, and again, they go on to say that you know glucose levels of 40 or lower was the most common definition of hypoglycemia used in the included trials. So again, the ADA is using one definition. Clinicians are probably losing another too. And I think most clinicians, if you ask them, you know, do you feel comfortable with your own personal blood sugar being 40, 45 or less? Most would say, no, I'd like my blood sugar to be higher. Outcome measures were calculated on a uh, per patient basis. For example, a patient with several episodes of hypoglycemia would only count as one occurrence for that outcome. Now, when they went through the initial uh, data analysis they, um, uh, of the potential papers who were talking about hypoglycemia, um, they identified 1,358 potential eligible studies. The majority of those were excluded because they were ongoing or not randomized control trials or tested an intervention. Uh, and in the uh, figure one of the paper, they, they basically break down the flow diagram of, of how patients or how the uh, 1,300 studies were um, handled and how they were excluded and it got down to basically 29 randomized controlled trials. And the meta-analysis was done performing those 29 um, randomized controlled trials. They got down to 27 trials, um, um, uh, including two unpublished ones, um, providing usable data on hospital mortality. Of these trials, there was no significant difference in hospital mortality between tight glucose control and the usual strategies. And the mortality rates between the ones with tight glucose control were 21.6% versus 23.3%. Relative risk was 0.93. There was, um, when you broke it down further, there was no significant difference in hospital mortality when you stratified by surgical patients, 8.8% uh, versus 10.8% versus medical patients, 26.9 versus 29.7 as well as med surge ICUs where the uh, mortality rate is 26.1 versus 27.0%.
There was no significant difference in hospital mortality between tight glucose control and the usual care strategies when he stratified by glucose goal in the tight control group. Um, very tight, 23.2 versus 25.5 percent uh, mortality in the moderately tight group. Uh, which had a mortality rate between 17.3% uh, for the control group and 18.0% for the uh, standard uh, treatment group. And there are pages and pages of uh, diagrams and tables uh, of the uh, data uh, used uh, in the meta-analysis. Nine studies actually reported the rates of septicemia. Tight glucose control in those particular trials was associated with a significant reduced rate of septicemia as compared to the usual care. So the rate of septicemia in the control in the glucose control group was 10.9% versus 13.4% um, uh, in the usual treatment group. When stratified according to ICU setting, the, the reduction in septicemia was limited to surgical ICU patients, and it was not observed in medical or mixed medical surgical ICUs. The evaluation for need for a new onset of hemodialysis was evaluated in eight of those trials, and in one unpublished trial, there was no significant association between tight glucose control and a new need for dialysis overall, 11.2% in the tight glucose control group versus 12.1% in the uh, usual treatment group. Subgroup, uh, subgroup analysis analyzing by glucose goal and ICU setting also showed no significant association between tight glucose controls with uh, new need for dialysis. In both of these evaluations, the Vandenberg Surgical ICU trial was an outline study, and regardless of whether the outline trial was excluded or not, the findings were not statistically significant. The authors go on in the commentary of this that in the meta-analysis of randomized control trials of tight glucose control versus usual care in critically ill adults, we found no significant difference in hospital mortality or new need for dialysis. Although tight glucose control was associated with a significant reduction in septicemia overall, subgroup analysis suggested that this benefit was limited to surgical ICU patients. On the other hand, this is the authors talking now, we found clear evidence of main harm of tight glucose control. Hypoglycemia increased roughly fivefold regardless of the ICU setting and was more common in patients receiving very tight um, uh, than moderate tight glucose control. In short, the meta-analysis does not support the benefits of tight glucose control reported in initial trial by Vandenberg and colleagues, and it suggests a much higher rate of hypoglycemia. The authors go on to say our analysis is limited by any flaws in the methodology of the underlying trials. This is the usual typical language for meta-analyses. Uh, although several of the included studies were small, the main limitations of such trials, lack of power and narrow generalizability, would be attenuated by inclusion of meta-analyses and exclusion of such studies could, be, could introduce bias. Meta-analysis may still be underpowered to detect small differences in outcomes between tight glucose control and usual care strategies. The authors go on to say that our meta-analysis shows that subsequent trials have not borne out the impressive results of tight glucose control promised by the initial trial by Vandenberg and colleagues. Their initial trial reported unusually high mortality uh, in the usual care group based on the disease severity, a finding which may be due to chance. Moreover, several aspects of that trial have been criticized mostly for using atypical clinical practices, specifically use of early glucose infusion and enteral nutrition, both of which may artificially induce hyperglycemia. 
If you haven't read the Vandenberg Trials, this is something that has been hit on over and over again. It's something really bizarre, is that um, uh, TPN is something that we have certainly learned has inherent um, complications with. And in the Vandenberg trial, they used early glucose infusions and parenteral nutrition. Uh, very early on and felt that that may have contributed to a hyperglycemic, perhaps a worse outcome uh, in the uh, uh, non-tight control, not so much because you had tighter control, but that you were in- introducing parental type nutrition uh, in the usual, what they called the, quote, usual treatment group. The, uh, the authors of this uh, meta-analysis go on to say that the surgical population, or even more specifically cardiac surgery patients who compromise the bulk of the patients in the initial Vandenberg trial, may represent the group most likely to benefit from tight glucose control. However, our meta-analysis demonstrates that subsequent randomization control trials of this intervention in surgical patients have not confirmed a significant reduction in mortality, a finding supported by subgroup analysis of the surgical patients. And in that subgroup analysis, they had six and a half thousand uh, patients in a recent cohort study that I've already given you the reference on. The authors go on and say, furthermore, subsequent randomized control trials of tight glucose control during or after uh, cardiac surgery have failed to confirm a reduction in mortality with tight glucose control. The concerns of hypoglycemia appear to be warranted as indicated by the significant increase in the risk of hypoglycemia in our meta-analysis. These hypoglycemic events are a causal factor in the patient's deaths or simply a marker of disease severity uh, is unknown. What they're saying here is, is that um, just because somebody's hypoglycemia doesn't mean that they necessarily died. It could be the fact that the hypoglycemia was a marker of the disease. Uh, this is a uh, causal relationship does not necessarily imply cause and effect. For instance, everybody who, um, a serial, every serial killer has eaten carrots at some point. You wouldn't want to say, well, then carrots would then make you a serial killer. No, it's just a causal relationship. There's no cause and effect there. And the authors of the meta-analysis are cautioning uh, to jump into that kind of cause and effect association. They conclude by saying, overall, we believe the 29 trials included in our meta-analysis allow us to draw conclusions about the benefits and risks of tight glucose control in the broad spectrum of critically ill adults. We found that tight glucose control was not associated with a significant reduction in hospital mortality or a new need for dialysis, but was associated with a marked uh, increased risk of hypoglycemia. We found a statistically significant association with a reduction in septicemia. The reduction may have been in less severe episodes of septicemia given the lack of associated reduction in hospital mortality. Given the overall findings of this meta-analysis, it seems appropriate that the guidelines recommending tight glucose control in all critical patients should be reevaluated until the results of larger, more definitive clinical trials are available. And once again, that was a meta-analysis from um, uh, the Journal of the American Medical Association, August 26, 2008. I'll also have it posted on my website, uh, www.burndoc.com. And the author of that, the uh, lead author of that is uh, uh, Weiner. And um, uh, it's a fascinating meta-analysis. It is interesting how this uh, topic of tight glycemic control has really um, kind of taken a life of its own. Uh, we initially all very uh, jumped kind of on the Vandenberg uh, trial of the tight control between 80 and 110, and uh, there's been a lot of very small uh, poorly managed studies trying to replicate that, uh, and uh, there's been a lot of people who have uh, drank their Kool-Aids and shaved their head and, and uh, followed on uh, the uh, uh, Vandenberg uh, data. Um, 
caution is typically something you, you would want to um, exercise in something like this. You never want to be the first to, to try something new, and at the same time, you don't want to be the last. This is some of the beauty um, of peer review literature, uh, that there are things that come out. We think that they're um, very valid, and as the research is replicated uh, and looked at more critically, we may come to a different conclusion. Um, it is interesting to me that there are a lot of great minds looking at this topic and are skeptical. Um, there are people who have read one or two of these trials and have taken this as inerrant text and gospel. Uh, but yet you see a very powerful meta-analysis as this. You see groups like the Society of Critical Care Medicine who have not uh, figured out where they're going to recommend type glycemic control. Uh, you see groups like Aspen as well who are being very cautious and very measured about where they're going to recommend blood sugar control at. And the same goes for the surviving sepsis guidelines. It is important to recognize that um, they are not saying that the days of allowing blood sugars to routinely be uh, in the 200s and 250s, that we should perhaps go back to that. I think what we're going to find out is, is as more evidence uh, comes to the surface and we evaluate it more critically, that it may be that we want the blood sugar to be, say, between 80 or 150 um, uh, or 160 or 140. Somewhere that number is going to probably come down. I think long gone are the days where we would not uh, begin to worry about somebody in the intensive care unit when their blood sugar was 230, we would just let it ride. And then if it got to 250, we might give them three or five units of insulin R. Those days are probably gone. Uh, but we may have some more temperament in the idea of having people's blood sugars between 80 and 100 or 80 to 110 in, in critically ill patients because of the higher risks of glycemia and what may be perceived failure to show any uh, benefit uh, in most comers of patients. There does appear to be, uh, through the meta-analysis and the independent studies, a benefit in the development of septicemia, but not an uh, overall reduction in mortality. You've been listening to the podcast Surgery IC Rounds. My name is Dr. Jeffrey Guy uh, from Vanderbilt University. Uh, uh, my website is www.burndoc.com. Thanks, and have a good evening.